Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy brought to you by the State Again Network. Tyler Lawrence, Zach Alfers here. Zach, Denzel Perryman is going to the Raiders. What is yeah. going on? I mean, that guy's having an offseason speeding tickets and now demoted to division rival the Raiders. I, that's just where good players go to end their careers prematurely. I, I feel really bad because I like the guy. I like the player. It's a bad landing spot, man. It's such. A, imagine being a free agent and you're all excited going over to the Panthers. They have a need for you at linebacker. You're expecting to play, and then you get traded back to Gus Bradley. To, and to Gus. Gus, Gus Bradley didn't even play him last year, and he was playing really well last year, and he didn't even play him. And I'm sure he'll have some sort of role, but I mean, they got Nick Kwiatkowski, and they got. Corey Littleton, who are more athletic players than he is. I mean, he's a hitter. He's a fun player to watch. He's that's been one my, of my favorite players for a while there. But I think geez, that's my what? problem is he's just not a Gus Bradley linebacker. You need to have that crazy athleticism. You need to be great at, at coverage. And he's just not that. He's the old school Ray Lewis type thumpers in the middle, like the traditional Mike linebackers. And yeah, Gus Bradley's just not that. I mean, he doesn't know how to use them. Ah oh, man, it sucks to see him land there. It, he's going to a division rival, which sucks anyways, and I don't like playing against him. I don't want to play against Casey Hayward. Those are two of my favorite players from the last, I don't know, five years. Yeah. Man, what a, I mean, I'm sure, you know, he's familiar with Gus Bradley. I'm sure there's some sort of relationship there. He might not be too bummed about going there, but I'm bummed to see him in, in I'm black bummed. and silver. I'm bummed because in Carolina, I'm going to see the box scores and I'm going to be rooting for him. I'm not going to be rooting for him in silver and black. No, no whatsoever. I, I don't care who he's playing, what week. I like the guy. He is now on my least favorite franchise of all time. So it's going to come with some natural hate, I guess. I, I just don't <laughs> like that team. <laughs> I, I, I feel bad for the guy because I, I like to root for him. I want, would have rooted for him in Carolina this season. You know, what's funny is... The Treasure Bolt family just did a, a signing with him, and he signed a bunch of Panthers memorabilia. And oh, he's man. never gonna he's never gonna play a snap for them well, outside that, of preseason. 
those are going to be some interesting artifacts um, <laughs> when you look back at the end of his career in Carolina. That's going to be funny. Those are well, and those are just like conversation starters. Those those will be fun pieces to have. Oh man, it's it's funny. It's that's just it's just funny. It's typical, like you said. It's where players go to their see their careers die. Yeah. Poor guy. I'm I'm hoping he does well statistically but i hope that they lose every game so yeah do you know what kind of deal he's on i don't know how how many years he's on i'm assuming it's a short-term contract probably one to two years yeah. but it's just it sucks to see that happen to him so we'll we'll ultimately see i mean if gus bradley uses him any differently than a rotational you know uh uh going five and two and trying to stop the stop the run in short yardage situations that's going to be his only role there i think so it, it, it's it's tough seeing his fit in that team even it though is. it's so bad it just he doesn't fit he doesn't really fit in in, in any, any place and so the compensation that i saw was that the panthers get the raiders sixth round draft pick and the they get him and a seventh round pick so it's just a swap of you, they basically got him for nothing. And I, I don't know why Carolina was so hesitant to, to hold on to him. I don't know. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So we've gotten through the sandbox first game of the season. Second game, actually. Right. How are you doing? Yeah. I, I saw that you're. I, <laughs> are you? Undefeated. I saw that your quarterback has, had like Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is killing it. Let me just talk on my team really quick. <laughs> we were bad mouthing my offense, which has been killing it. I'm like the third most. I've scored the third most points through the two games. I have a top five offense just overall. Um, lead the <laughs> league in in time of possession, rushing yards, and defensively. I, I'm just I'm doing really good too. Top five in, in everything that matters. Nobody can run the ball against me. I'm running for like three, 400 yards a game. And guess how many rushing yards I've given up through the first two games? Oh, I'm sh- not much. I'm guessing your, your defense 55 is 55 total In two games. That's insane. 55 rushing yards. I've given up. I'm just running the ball down people's throats. These next two games are going to be tough for me because Devonte Adams is out. Oh but man. Yeah, I that's have, right. I have Car- Chris Carson and Raheem Mostert right now both top 10 in the league in rushing and they're each like averaging a hundred yards a game. Carson finished with 90 yards and, and or over a hundred. And then most had 90 yards this, this past game. Oh me. man. When do we play each <laughs> other? I, I'm excited. I'm going to have to load the box. against. You. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely have to play run heavy against me. Um, we'll I, I'm not sure. I play Arjun first. Who's killing it. Of course he's, statistically the best in on offense and defense well, across the board guy, right yeah like, he, that, well and his team is good he, he got really lucky the first week just i was just looking at his play by play he, he got pretty lucky um but yeah it, it's definitely a lot of fun i'm excited to get to play some people that i know um these first two games were were i was glad that i won them but it, it, there's like not I don't know the people. Yeah, you know, right. it's gonna There's be more no fun when I. Yeah. I'm sure I'm gonna have to keep an eye out for some of the people that we know when we're playing. Uh, if you're interested in sandbox simulations, this is a ton of fun. You can use Shock Twenty at checkout to save twenty percent off your first season. Um, 
sandboxsimulations.com, Shock20, and get on on the action. This is fun. It's interesting. Uh, we'll see where it ultimately leads. Let's talk about the 49ers game. Yeah, so, all right. What we're going to be doing is since the roster will be cut down to 53 on Tuesday, we're going to do our roster predictions on this episode. Uh, we're going to break it down kind of position by position. Who do we think is going to make the roster? Some of the tough cuts. And I'll let you go first. What did you see out of Easton Stick as he started the first half of this game? Yeah, I thought he played really well given, you know, the circumstances. Absolutely no protection and being pressured almost every snap he took. And I, I thought what was the most impressive for me watching Stick was that he didn't turn the ball over. And he was he playing against a very talented defense. The Niners started all their starters minus Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. With all that pressure in his face, he didn't turn the ball over. I thought that was the most impressive out of out of the game was to see him face all that pressure and not turn the ball over. Then he had that highlight touchdown pass. That was that Joe Montana nice to touchdown watch. pass too, right? Yeah. Dan Fouts called that. You know, he said, and it did. It looked eerily similar to the the famous one of the most famous plays in NFL history, where Joe Montana's throwing it kind of in that corner of the end zone. He's doing the little pump fake and all of yeah. that. That you know, and he he. Looked like he was going to take off and get into the end zone, and then you know keeping the play alive. Well, and he juked he, awareness. He juked me out watching the game. I thought he was going to get lit up. I'm oh. yelling at the TV, no, no, no! And right on cue, he pulls up and throws a dime. I mean, he really had a sitting pretty nice at halftime. He Chase did. Game. Yeah, he went well, ten for fourteen for eighty-five yards and the touchdown. Uh, he had most of his starting offensive line out there, which was mm -hmm. good to see that unit together. I know Corey Lindsley and Brian Bulaga didn't play. Uh, O'Day had a decent day. I didn't see too too big of an issue there from from his first um, uh, scrimmage game that we saw. Right, so it it is nice to see Easton Sick developing a little bit more than we had thought he had. Is he going to make the roster though? Well. Then, I mean, I'm just looking at Chase Daniel. I admit it was an awful performance. But let's talk about what he was dealing with. He had a worse offensive line protecting him and less offensive weapons to unload the ball to. I, admittedly, our offense was very bad that second half under Daniel. I admit the flashy plays from Stick were very entertaining. You know, they, they're going to – exciting plays catch people's eyes. So you're naturally, you know, gravitate towards plays like that. But Daniel, I think, makes this team, despite the poor showing against the Niners, just because he offers more in that role. As the veteran guy, as a guy who's played in Lombardi's system, that knowledge is all going to help Justin Herbert in the long run. And I just see everyone making this big thing, you know, if knock on wood, if Justin goes down, well, Stick makes us more competitive than Daniel. And I do agree with that statement, but let's just be completely honest. If Herbert goes down... That's our season right there. We're not going to be saved with either Daniel or Stick. They're not going to save our season. I think Daniel takes the spot because he makes his team better at full strength. His ability to mentor Herbert makes his team better overall. And I think that should be the priority of the front office, to maximize the potential of our superstar quarterback. And I think Daniel helps us accomplish that best. I agree with that. So I also don't think, yeah, Chase Daniel – 
He wasn't getting the ball down the field, but he was directing a lot of traffic. Players were not in the correct position. I know there was a single play where there was 10 people in the huddle and he's calling the next guy in, like, come on, get in. You know, ultimately, if you look at what Chase Daniel did with what was in front of him, he had no protection at all. And he was visibly frustrated. But Easton Stick wouldn't have been directing that traffic Mm -hmm. that way, right? Even from, like, a leadership perspective, like, Daniel is that, where Stick – He's he's a developmental prospect. He he is. He's he's not a you know save your season type of guy. He might be able to get you through one or two or three games, but I still still think Chase Daniel is the better quarterback overall because it's more than just talent, right? Yeah. Talent wise, Easton Stick, it's it's not even that he's talented. He's, he's athletic. He can keep the play alive. Where you know Daniel's getting the ball out of his hands quickly you know he still went 14 for 21 even with that terrible offensive line in front of him he did have the ugly interception mm-hmm. uh and that that was ugly he had protection in front of it him he threw it to KJ Hill and it got picked off it it happens there's you know it was a turnover turnovers happen it's football but i just think Chase Daniel is still so far ahead in terms of development as a yeah. quarterback that you know, Easton Stick has upside, but not enough, not enough. So it, yeah, and, and it's not, it's not overwhelming. And I, I we talk about it all the time. A quarterback's ability to command the huddle, Stick can't do that, regardless of his ability to manipulate the pocket with his legs, his athleticism. He can't lead a football team. And I think Daniel, with just the experience, he has that leadership qualities. People gravity listen to him there's a reason he was brought in right outside of just his ability to mentor herbert his ability to command an offense he's been in the nfl for almost 10 years now right he is a better leader he gets the ball out of his hand quickly he is more developed he is a better player if you put easton stick and chase daniel as the starters of this offensive unit I still think Chase Daniel has a better season regardless. I do too. He makes, he doesn't make the offense more dynamic, but he is going to be dinking and dunking. He's going, he's going to be a better starter for this team in the long run. If anything was to happen to Herbert, where I don't see that with stick, you might get some, some splash plays, some, you know, 20 yard takeoff and run from Easton stick, but you're not going to get continued success out of yeah right stick is gonna be the guy i feel like week to week he might have a 60 yard bomb for a touchdown but daniel is going to be orchestrating touchdown drives exactly and that's a major difference so i think we're agreed here i think easton stick chase daniel chase daniel is still the backup plus in training camp he has been overwhelmingly better than easton stick has as well yeah so i i have no doubt about it Easton stick truthers. It's just not going to happen this year. No, I I think we're, and I think we're close to the end of the experiment. I really do. I I think, I just don't know that we have a whole lot there to develop. We we haven't seen any type of improvement. It's not like Easton stick was doing a whole lot. He went 10 for 14 and majority of those yards was on a Jalen Guyton over the shoulder, which was a great throw. It was was a a great throw, but that's his only big play this this offseason well and quarterbacks make plays like that every like five throws even if they're incomplete you you're like whoa the arm talent on that guy he's not wowing you 
And it's he didn't do a whole lot. He had 85 yards through a half. That is that is not that is subpar. Pedestrian, yeah. Yeah, that is not good. So like, yeah, he went 10 for 14, 85 yards with a touchdown. But that's in a whole half that he had in front of him. It's not like he he lit it up and, you know, had like three big throws down the field and was get, like it it's not it's not that. He he had a really subpar game in all. You know, he's he's on track to finish for 20 for 28 for 160 yards and a touchdown. That's not a good game. That's an efficient game, I guess. But he didn't he didn't wow anybody. He didn't do that much. Let's get no. real here. Let's be honest with ourselves here. He's looking like Taysom Hill in my sandbox league, who <laughs> has a great rating. He's has like a hundred forty rating. He's only missed like five completions, but he's only thrown the ball 40 times. Yeah. So let's let's <laughs> let's ease it down a little bit. Let's move on to running backs. Uh, we got Larry Roundtree, who had eight carries for 12 yards. He averaged 1.5 yards a carry. Ugh. Not all his fault. Uh, offensive line was not opening holes. We'll talk about the offensive line here later. Uh, Joshua Kelly had one less carry, seven for nine yards, 1.3 yards a carry. They had a very similar day overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got Darius Bradwell with two carries, and that was it for your running back. So. Based off the snap count right off the bat, Darius Bradwell's not making this 53-man roster. You can tell no. because they're not even giving him the opportunities, the carries to show what he can do. So he's already easily fourth on, on this or easily fifth on this running back roster. It's really going to come down to Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly. Are we carrying three or are we going to carry four? Or is jo- is Joshua, um, what's his name? Joshua Kelly. Not Joshua Kelly. Justin Jackson is Josh. Justin Jackson going to yeah. uh, to get cut? What, what's what's going on here? Well, I honestly, I I know all of our backs struggled in that Sunday's game, but I, I think, like you said, I think it was all really on the offensive line just not being able to block. What I did like though was watching Lombardi kind of combat that, seeing that we weren't able to really carve out any yards on the ground. He started incorporating a lot more swing passes, some screens, something that Anthony Lynn would have never done. He would have just kept calling halfback dives until he established the run and he would have ran our backs into the ground. So I liked to see Lombardi kind of get his backs the ball in open field. We Roundtree had four catches that game. Bradwell also had four and then Kelly had two himself. So that was something coming into the game I thought was really going to be influential on who could win this this running back battle was who was going to look better as a pass catching option between Kelly and Roundtree. I thought, like you said, they had very similar games. Justin Jackson, he's been out, but I think he's the best back on this team, not named Austin Eckler. The coaching staff adores him. And as we've been saying it, he's has to lose his job on the field. I think he's making the team, whether he's hundred percent healthy or not, just because he's more dynamic than the other guys. One guy who did miss the Niner game who I think really hurt himself is Gabe Neighbors. I think Kelly and Roundtree have both been improving throughout camp. But my prediction is that we do carry four running backs. None of them are going to be named Gabe Neighbors. We're going to delegate Gabe Neighbors to the practice squad. I just don't think he's shown enough improvement as a blocker. And I think we do carry his replacement at another position that we can get onto here in a little bit. But my prediction is we're going to carry four backs, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, 
Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree all make the final 53. That's that's my kind of thought right now. I, uh, I'm right there with you. I think we're going to carry four running backs. I feel like Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly they offer just, something to this offense. They do. They, they, they do. definitely offer something. They both have been impressive in, in the screen game. They've been catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, I think Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree is a battle you're going to want to have going all the way through camp, all the way through the regular season. Now, yes. if I had to put a depth chart together, I think Larry Roundtree is going to jump Joshua Kelly. Uh, I think that he's going to get more carries during the season just based off of what we've seen during the preseason, uh, specifically because Joshua Kelly is not making people miss in space, and he's a running back. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be able to do that. But I do think he's got enough power in between the tackles. I, I saw enough from him last season to think that there is something still there worth developing. I think we're ca- keeping four backs. I think we're going to keep a fullback, but it's not going to be Gabe Neighbors. I think yeah. Steven Anderson is going to play fullback for this team. That's my I, pick too. So I did look at Steven Anderson, how he's been utilized. He's been that H-back. He's been an inline blocker. He's played fullback. He's all over special teams and mm-hmm. every single unit, it seems like. I think that he offers more than Gabe Neighbors. I did put Gabe Neighbors on my practice squad because I still think he has some sort of values, traits that he's yeah. worth developing. Uh, we'll get into my full 10-player um, practice squad roster a little bit later. But I, I just think it makes sense to, to keep four backs. It's a long season. Guys are going to get injured. They're going to miss games. It happens. And you, if you miss one running back, you have to sign another to your, your practice front off your practice squad onto your regular roster. Anyways, I don't want to put Larry Roundtree or Joshua Kelly on the practice squad because I think they're no. going to get picked up easy. I, I think for me, just with the shortened preseason, I, I think it's too close. Like I, I don't, neither one has separated himself too much to make me feel comfortable taking one over the other. So I'd like a couple more weeks in practice in the games once we get into the regular season to kind of see, I, I just don't think we've allowed them to compete yet. No one, not Roundtree, Kelly, neither of them have separated themselves. And I, I think that's going to take a little more time just because of the nature of this coaching staff, how we're running drills. There hasn't been enough tape for, for me to evaluate. And I think they're very, very similar. I, I do think Larry Roundtree has been the better back. I think he has separated himself you a do? little bit, but I still think Joshua Kelly is talented. Uh, and I think that there is room for four running backs on every roster, in my opinion. And you can move guys down to the practice squad during the season and they're they're safer, right? This is the point. Like you're putting your 53-man roster based off of not who's going to be in your regular season, but based off of who's going to be part of your roster throughout mm. the season. So you don't want to move those guys because they'll get picked up. They're yeah. too valuable. So those are my thoughts. Five total running backs. Steven Anderson, I'm putting as a fullback running back situation there. Uh, let's move on to wide receivers. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer. Those are three easy guys. Lots. Josh Palmer has been extremely impressive. I th- is, is he your wide receiver three at this point? I don't think so. I think that wide receiver three is a multi-position type yeah. of, you know, I think Tyrone Johnson and Joshua Palmer are your wide receiver three. They're going to be game plan specific. So that'll get into my fourth wide receiver we're keeping. I think we're going to keep Jalen Guyton. I, I see enough talent there. The drops is an issue, mm-hmm. but he is 
getting open. He is a pretty nice route runner. He does get open deep down the field. He is a burner. He's the only burner you have left if Tyrone Johnson goes down with the injury. Yeah. So there's five. The last one I'm going to say, I think we're going to carry six. It's going to be KJ Hill. Yeah. We let go earlier in the week. We let go of, you know, Austin Prohl, who we've both been kind of high on, uh, kind of caught me off guard a little bit. But I think we're still going to keep six. I think KJ Hill is going to be your returner number one for the punt team. But I also think I saw Jalen Guyton catching a, a couple punts there as well. He did towards the yeah towards the second half. I I'm right there with you. I think Guyton is just too enticing with his speed and his just intangibles. I, I'm gonna live with the drops because he's getting open. He he is, and he would have had another bomb in that first game um, if Daniel didn't overthrow him. So I like that. That's workable with. For whatever reason, T. Billy's just in the doghouse front with his coaching staff. What happened? Of, I have it's, no idea what happened that regulated him. Maybe they're just trying so to give Chase in, Daniel some sort of weapon. I don't know. No. So it was in the joint practices. You saw T Billy get right. in a, a verbal confrontation with one of his teammates. What's his name? Um, Staley took him off the field. And then since then has just been low on the depth chart and getting reps. He didn't even check into the game. I want to say until the second quarter and played well within into the third quarter doing things we've never seen him do, taking screens. So I, I really think he's just dug himself in a hole with the coaching staff. He's too talented to not make this yeah, roster. Yeah, I don't opinion. see it. I think it's more of a punishment type of thing. Like, I look, so. we're, we're going to regulate you that. down the yeah. depth chart, but it doesn't really mean anything. It's just, if anything, it's extra reps for him during the... I think the... it's a disciplinary thing just to say, like, hey, nobody's above the team. I really think it's Staley putting his foot down and saying, Hey, this is the way we're going to play football. And that's good to see too, by the way. I like it. Yeah. I I love it. I mean, we're going to play football respectful, but the right way. And I love to see it. I'm right there with you with KJ Hill as our punt returner. I I got to the point where I don't get excited when I see KJ Hill going out there to return kicks. I don't think he's very explosive. He's not the Darren Sproles or Reggie Bush. You're not expecting an explosive return, but I'm also not worried. I know he's going to I know he's going to secure the ball. He's not going to muff it. So I, I, and I think that consistency was ultimately going to have him win this job. I'm right the there. Thing I, I think like about, receivers. The other thing I like about KJ Hills, he is a, a good route runner. He's not fast. He's not super, no. he's not strong. He's not big. Uh, but I think that he can have some sort of role. I know he had, I want to say like 10 catches last season. Uh, nothing spectacular. Uh, but I think there's a role for him on this team. I think there's traits there worth developing. He's not going to be a burner, though. He's he's regulated to the slot, and he's going to be the guy that takes that slot position if Keenan Allen goes down. Ultimately, I, I think Joshua Palmer is kind of your deep threat uh, who can play in the slot, but you kind of want him outside. You just want him to play that X receiver. Yeah. yeah, He's just too big and, and physical. Exactly. Uh, I don't think anybody else really has a chance to make the roster. I think Joe Reed really hurt himself when he mm-hmm. got injured. Uh, I, I'll i get into Joe Reed in a little bit in kind of in the practice squad because I did put him on my practice squad. Me too. Um, but ultimately, it's KJ Hill's job, and I don't think it's even close anymore. No, I, and I, I I think the pro, letting pro go kind of, that was That's our clue, right? Yeah. 
nobody really else was in the running. It caught me off guard. I thought it was a close battle. And Pro was making some plays. I think more plays offensively, you know, in the offense than KJ Hill has made throughout camp. It makes me wonder why we let go of Austin Prohl when we could have let go of Jason Moore, John Hurst. We had a, a good handful of wide receivers, and it really maybe Staley is giving him an opportunity to catch on with another team, and he just already knows that he's already made his decision between him and KJ Hill, and he said, you know, I'm going to let you go now, and, yeah. and hopefully you can good catch luck. on with somebody else. Hmm. But it really caught me off guard when we let him go this early. I saw somebody speculating that maybe it's some hush injury hush, related injury too. related, but yeah, who knows? Cause it really seems like it, it's something beyond football at this point. So it could be an injury related type of thing where he wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season. That makes sense. You know, maybe they bring him back in a month or two and you know, if injury requires us to bring somebody else, else back, but I, I like pro. Uh, and we were and really sh- trying hard to bring Prol onto the podcast. I was going to say, uh, we'll we still were. like to talk to you about camp. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about camp. I'd love to, to get your insights on it. And, and you know, we've talked to you a little bit off the, off the podcast on our social media platforms. So if you're still interested in coming on, I'd love to talk to you, man. Let's move over to the tight end room. So, I think this is easy. Jared Cook, Donald Parham, Trey McKitty. Obviously, Steven Anderson is going to be on that as well. Uh, there's no chance that we part way with either of those three at all. Those three, I think, have been locks from day one. And then I just haven't seen anything to change my stance from the my original stance on this position group, which is all four guys have just made too many plays to get cut. Steven Anderson is just too versatile. He's been doing everything that we've asked of him and doing it well. So and I he's just, doing it on special teams, which is where, where, like, if he would have been trying to have done it from the tight end position, you have no. a third round pick that you're going to develop. You're not going to let go of him. Donald Parham has been making way more plays than any other tight end in this in this room. So yeah. there was no way that we were going to carry just four tight ends just to carry four tight ends. Steven Anderson's making this roster based off of his special teams ability alone. Well, and it's that, I think, it's that versatility, that gameness, that willingness to just do whatever the team needs of him, I think is what the coaching staff wants. And I think that's why he's going to be brought back. I wish I would have seen more Trey McKitty. I know we saw him as a blocker in, in the last two preseason games, specifically the first game. I think he had one catch during the 49ers game. Yeah. Uh, right now, it doesn't look like he's going to have a very large role. He's going to be more of a developmental no. guy right now. And then next season, uh, when Jared Cook's contract expires, there's a high probability, I think, that he's going to step into that tight end two role. Yeah. That's what it seems like right now. Well, and then you're all on board with Parham taking tight end one reps. I'm seeing the development at a pretty quick rate from He's year one nice. to year two and going into year three. If you're projecting what he did this offseason forward, his development from one to two, I think he's I'm on board with it. I'm ready for it. I, I'm seeing the development as a blocker. He's been playing in line, which is something he wasn't very good at. He is improved as a blocker. I, I think it just makes too much sense to bring him in there. Yeah, me too. Let's move over to the offensive line. Your starting offensive line right now is going to be Rayshon Slater, Matt Feeler, Corey Lindsley, Odea Bushi, Brian Bulaga. 
Of those five, all of them are relatively healthy. I know Slater's had some small back issue. I know Bulaga's had some small injuries as well. Uh, Brandon Saley's come on and said, you know, if this was game week, both those players would be playing tomorrow. So we're keeping them out just as a precautionary type of thing. I wish I would have got to see Slater take on some of these edge rushers that are really, really good for the 49ers. Um, But ultimately, keeping his health at the forefront of your mind makes a lot of sense why we kept him out. I think he did return to practice today. I can't remember if that's exact or not, but I'm pretty sure I was hearing that he was returning to practice. And then I've got four backups. This might surprise some people. It might make a lot more people even more happy. I got Braden Jaimes, Scott Quisenberry, Tyree St. Louis, and Storm Norton. Mm. I, uh, I'm going to regulate Trey Pipkins to the practice squad, and if a team picks him up, I'm not too hurt by it. <laughs> but he has not shown enough improvement as a yeah. edge type of blocker. It just hasn't worked out for him. Um, I am bringing him back because I did spend a third round pick on this guy and I'm not just going to cut bait, but if another team signs him, I, I get it. I understand it. Uh, he played 100% of the snaps. So you already know right off the bat that this coaching staff was really giving him a chance to like, Hey, I need you to do something. And he struggled, especially against that first team defense. He struggled mightily. Yeah. He also had struggles against the second team defense. He looked good as a run blocker. He does. I I want to, if I'm the coaching staff and I'm seeing the issues off the edge, let's give him a chance to play inside. Uh, But he hasn't been doing it. He hasn't played it inside all camp. I know that this, this coaching staff sees him as a tackle, Mm -hmm. a swing tackle. Uh, But right now it really looks like he's, he's headed for bus territory. Yeah, I'm. So this is where we have our first disagreement in personnel groupings. Um, first off, Brendan Hymas, I think, has been the best backup lineman we've had all training camp, and I, I think it's just a matter of time before he cracks that starting rotation. I think we're going to see Hymas play some serious minutes. Scott Questenberry, I don't think has had a very good camp, but he's been very reliable for us. Played more minutes than any Charger line lineman has in the last four years. Um, so very reliable. Both of those guys have a bunch of position versatility. Obviously, Hymas played tackle in college. Q Berry can play all three interior positions. So for those reasons, I think we kind of move away from St. Louis. We stash St. Louis on the practice squad. And I think we take Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. I think we're they're going to take both of them on the final 53, but not because they earned it, just really because they both are really bad. We need a swing tackle. My, my None of the undrafted free agents we brought in to compete at tackle stepped up. And I guess my hope for the team at this point is we sign another guy off waivers to hopefully replace both of them, if not one of them. But I, I think we're going to retain both Norton and Pipkins just as an insurance policy for the other. I, I get your concept on it. The reason why I picked the players I did is, like you said, Scott Quisenberry can play three positions on the offensive line. Uh, well, I Braden think Q-Berry and Hymas are making it. I think. Yeah, without a doubt. I think Those are automatic. your two best guys in that spot. Hymas uh, has the ability to play inside and out. He has played offensive tackle in the past. I haven't seen him in training mm-hmm. camp playing that position. St. Louis, or St. Louis, I don't know which one, but St. Louis 
has played tackle. I just haven't seen him doing it in training camp, but I know that's what we signed him for like originally. And then Storm Norton was obviously the better offensive tackle last game for sure. Uh, without a doubt. Like I, I don't know what happened to, uh, to Trey Pipkins in this last game, but I mean, you gave up a sack in the end zone for a safety and it was Let, terrible. Gave up a sack. He escorted Willis into Stick's lap like a doorman. He was like, yeah, that was like the worst club bouncer of all time. He just yeah, carried dude, him into Stick's bad. lap for a sack. Here's two points. Yeah, was he was bad. like standing straight up to that. Like, he wasn't even like, you know, bent at the knees at all. Well, and it's like if he you're going to be manhandled, it was embarrassing. Yeah, it, was it was embarrassing. embarrassing. He would make a terrible Bad bouncer. Play. I don't want to ever see him in a black security shirt ever. Yeah. Never, ever. <laughs> Please, I take that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like he, Trey Pipkins is not working out. And mm-hmm. right now, I think Storm Norton is easily our best swing tackle. He should be on top of the depth chart. Ugh. I don't want to carry... 10 offensive linemen because I think when you have Storm Norton and you have Trey Pipkins, it's redundant. There it is. It's redundant. I think so. So I'm going with nine offensive tackles or uh, offensive linemen. You're going with nine. The only yeah. difference is St. Louis versus Trey Pipkins. Yeah. We agreed there. Yeah. All right. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. When you're craving Church's three-piece classic, there's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. 
promo code IHEART. Moving on, let's get to special teams. I think I think it's Tristan Vizcano. I think he's our kicker. Think Ty so? Long is penciled in, and I think Matt Overton is our long snapper. I know yeah. we still have Cole Mazza there. I think there's an injury there. I think we're going to go for the veteran, the 36-year-old guy who's been doing it for 12, 13, 14 years. Uh, he's a layover until next season. But I think Matt Overton is – we brought him in for a reason. And it right. wasn't just while Cole Mazza was injured. I think it's, I think it's the veteran presence to the special yeah. teams unit. And we have another long snapper in camp. I want to say Langan or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we let go of him uh, two days ago. So okay. he was released after two high snaps during yeah. the first preseason game. First game. We knew and he then, didn't play at all. Because Overton uh, played all the snaps in the yeah, Niners game. So I think they wanted to get a, a good look at Overton. Uh, I think that he's a veteran. He's been doing a long time. He's made that snap a thousand times during the regular season throughout his career. He's the he's the easy veteran, but are you on the Michael Badgley train or are you on the Viscano train? Man, that's why do we have to talk about this every week? We How have do we have to, a though. kicker we controversy have to talk about, again? About I, I I know. I, I just it's so crazy to me. Of course we are here. I don't know. I, I think I really think Viscano wins at the end of the day. Um I just think this coaching staff wants to start off fresh and I, I really think that our fan base it would just lose their minds if we went with Badgley another season my thing is if Badgley has a repeat week and Viscano continues to struggle where are we at now I I think I think that becomes a really tough question I think Badgley has to do exactly what he did last week again also he needs to hit another 50 yard field goal that was big you know that's something he has not done a whole lot throughout his career that's old-fashioned money badger 50 yard or two and had some distance i think that would have made it from 65 that was maybe 55 but he had some extra leg on it too i I don't know i I think viscano does win i think viscano wins but because of the leg strength because of just the fresh start but badgley's making it interesting again Uh, props to him i i thought we were basically congratulating viscano last week and (laughs) <laughs> and now we're talking about him possibly not earning this spot. I don't. Yeah, this one's a tough one. I wanted Badgley all the way. I, I think I think Viscano is just the safer pick at this point. You know, I had a I had guilty as charged podcast. They came up with a so Tyler Shoon went into all of Daniel Popper's. Yeah. Uh, all of his stories all for mm-hmm. every single training camp. Vizcano is 30 for 37, and this was three days ago. As of three days ago, 30 of 37, he's hit 81% of his kicks. Badgley is 27 for 38. He's at 71% of his kicks. Right off that alone, that tells me 100% that it's Vizcano. That is a a totally different metric when you're looking at it like that. And you're talking about three or four kicks, yeah, but... This no, is a competition, and who's hitting the most is what matters to me. And right now, it's Vizcano. I, I, I just, I don't see it any other way. I know he didn't kick at all during the the second preseason game, uh, but right now, it's it's Vizcano's job to lose. I think he's on top of the depth chart, and I think Badgley needs to do a lot to to win that battle. He needs to hit every kick, and oh, that's yeah. the only way I'm doing it. You have to hit every kick from here on out. 
I haven't looked at at anything since then. It looks like he was five of five from the the last practice, but I, I think it's Viscano. I don't even. Let's. I'm done talking about this. Let's move on to the edge rushers. <laughs> I'm done talking about it. Uh, edge rushers. I'm only carrying four. You're carrying four. Okay. I'm carrying four edge rushers. It's going to be Joey Bosa, Uchenna Nwosu, Kyler Fackrell, Chris Rumpf. I I think that's the easiest four to make the roster out of that group, and I haven't mm-hmm. seen enough off of Jesse Lemonier or Emik Igbule to have a roster spot. I think both those guys can hit the practice squad, and they're not going anywhere. Hmm. That's my I- reasoning behind it, because I, I don't see them – I mean, Lemonier had how many – different penalties in that second half he had a lot of penalties he had a lot of penalties so and it's not like he's gotten two three sack games over the last two preseason games i'm just not seeing enough uh from him that's worth a 53 man roster spot he's a practice squad stash and an emergency guy that you can activate during the season same with egg boule so yeah egg boule i know our plan was for him was to use him on the edge but he was out for he's been out for a while now. I think I don't think he's in the running. I do think we break in Lemonier just because as our fifth edge prospect, just to keep him around those guys to kind of learn from Bosa, Fackrell, Nuoso. I kind of like what I've seen from him. I, 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 that pass interference penalty towards the end there, very costly, but he's getting to the football, he's explosive on the line. I think we do carry five, and my my fifth edge player we carry is Lemonier. I, I just like what I've seen from him. His just ability to get I like I like the guy. I think he has a lot of explosiveness, a lot of power, and I want to see it just to keep this rotation fresh. I think we're going to be doing a lot of rotating. I would like to see him there. Here's my reasoning behind it, because I don't think that he's going to get picked up off the practice squad. I, I think That's it's highly a- doubtful that. I think our interior defensive linemen have been more impressive Mm. and I'm more interested in keeping them. That's why I'm having them on my 53 man roster. It's not about who's going to be in on your roster during the regular season. It's about who do you want to protect from other teams? And I don't think that Jesse Lemonier is going to get picked up. I don't see enough from it. So my interior defensive lineman is Linval Joseph, Christian Covington, who had a phenomenal game. Uh, on on set Sunday, uh, Jerry Tillery, Justin Jones, those are easy guys to make the roster. I saw a lot of Cortez Broughton. Oh yes, on on Sunday, a lot. And then my last one is Braden Fahoku. Yep. Uh, I picked Fahoku because Fahoku, Fahoko. I don't know which one. Fahoko. I keep getting yelled at for it. Uh, but he's your three tech or he's your one tech and then Linval Joseph is your one tech and Christian Covington's your one tech and Cortez Broughton is your three tech. So you've got three of each. And mm-hmm. I think that Cortez Broughton Fehoko will end up resorting to the practice squad during the regular season. And they'll come up based off of what we need during that week. So, you know, if Joseph is hurt or if Christian Covington is hurt, you're going to activate Fehoko for, for that game and vice versa, Jerry Tillery, Justin Jones, you'll bring up Broughton. So that, that gives you, you know, some rotation there from your practice squad to your active roster and vice versa. 
so I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think that during the regular season we're going to carry six interior offensive linemen or defensive linemen, but I think you are going to, you know, on a week-by-week basis make that decision on who gets activated or not. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Both of those guys, similar to the tight ends, just made too, too many plays to get cut. Cortez Broughton really been making some great strides this preseason and I think he's really primed if he gets enough minutes for a career year he's really looking the best he has in this league Sunday he had two pressures and a tackle for loss he's been solid all camp the one that hurt me the one that hurt for me to leave off of this is Forrest Merrill that dude has been making so many players he's been so disruptive in the run game he hasn't really been getting after in the past but that's not his game well, and he's, he he's, has been, huge. <laughs> he's huge. He's huge, dude. He's huge. He's super strong. He's not getting blown up off the line of scrimmage. He's the only player that I think it's going to be between him and Fihoko mm-hmm. on who's going to make that final roster spot. Uh, I think that both players are extremely talented, but I I don't know. I think Fihoko offers more as a pass rusher than, than Forrest Merrill does. But Forrest Merrill has been a dog. All right. training camp. Me too. He has really been getting after it. I know we just let go of Frederick Smith. Uh, I didn't see enough from him in that final game, but Forrest Merrill has a legit chance to make this 53-man roster. It's just going to be really hard between him and Fihoko. I just know Fihoko better. And Me I just, too. Maybe, you know, I just like his personality. You know, that might be part of it. I, he's a fun guy to follow on Twitter, <laughs> where Forrest Merrill is a quiet guy. I don't know enough about him. I'm not at training camp every day, so I don't know how that battle's going. But I love what I see on film from Forrest Merrill. Well, and I think we just have to go back to your, your point. Who's going to be more likely to sneak through the cracks of the waiver wires? Fahoku was here last year, so I think he just that year, of tape gives him a little edge. He's more likely to get snatched up if we put him th- on the wires. Forrest Merrill, he's undrafted. And he's unknown. The, he's unknown. And because of the position he plays, D tackle, it takes a long time. We've talked about it on here before. Just ask Jerry Tillery. It takes a long time to figure out. Because of all of those things, I, I think he's a safer bet to stash on the practice squad. I, I think Fahoku, Tez is definitely getting swooped up. I think Fahoku. I think Fogo has a strong chance if we to get swooped up on wire, waiver wires just because of the personality. I think people people know Fogo. He was a you know hard knock star, and he's been one of the best. Like he was part of the LSU super team, right? Like people oh, know yes. who he is. That's true. Yeah, I like Fogo. I want him on this team, and I think you can hide Merrill on your practice squad. He's I definitely so. making my practice squad. Let's move over to linebackers. So linebackers, I have Kenneth Murray, Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil. Those guys are locks. Uh, Nick Neiman has been playing really well. Can't keep. I know off. he's made a couple mistakes here and there. I know more more than likely that touchdown that was thrown. Oh, to, that was him. Yeah, that was him. That was him. It happens. You're not going to make every single play, but he is involved in every tackle. I think he's yeah. leading the NFL right now during the preseason in, in total tackles. He's third. third. Yeah. Third. He's right there. So he's in on every play. He's, he's a pursuit guy. He's always around the ball. So I love what I'm seeing from that. And then I'm keeping Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga. I know he's got the the stinger or um, whatever that shoulder injury was. AC joint. 
AC joint. And I called that. I was one of the first people to call that before anybody. I'm like, hey, this guy's injured. He's holding. I thought it was a hand injury because it looked like he was holding his hand, but it was his shoulder. Yeah, because he like laid out for it and then just stayed on the turf. Yeah, and he finished the the series and then he was seen in a warrior fashion. Yeah, warrior fashion. But I think he's too valuable to let like there's no way I'm letting him hit the waiver wire because he has been phenomenal against the run. He had that one touchdown mistake where, you know, he was matched up against a, a slot wide receiver and it happens. Right. But he has been extremely impressive. Ogbong Bamiga is definitely making this 53 man. And I don't think there's no question about it. Well, I, I hope you're right. Cause I was looking, I was just doing some research, Google, Google university. I had to resort to, to see time frame on AC joints. And those soft tissue stuff, that's so hard to predict because there's all, you know, there's so many levels to it. So depending on his tear or just depending on the severity of his injury, he could be fine tomorrow or he could be out a month. I, I think it's we're not in there talking to the medical staff, so we really don't know. I want I from what I've seen, I want Amin on this team. But if he's out for a month, I don't see how you. If he's, if out, he's for out for a month, you got two weeks left of preseason. I'm not worried about it. If it's five weeks, he's missing the first three games of the season. I'm okay with that. This team is relatively healthy. We can handle a handful of injuries going into the season. No way am I placing him on IR. No way am I letting him hit the waiver wire if he's going to be okay by week three, even week four. He's not missing a significant amount of time, and he's not a starter either. It's not. It's not like it's a – you know, a major, major injury to a, a group that's already hurting. Like we're relatively healthy. It's we have Ryan Smith. Though. And he's a, a physical sh- tack. Like that's his thing is to be the physical tackler. I don't not care. I think it? he's too valuable. Okay. I think he's going to play a, a big role to the special teams. There's nothing you could hear about the shoulder that would change your mind. Like it, you have the worst AC joint flare up in the world. A, it might be two months. And it's you're not still a tear. Though. It's not a tear. It's not a major it's a thing. It's a soft. It's a, it's a sprain, right? It's a sprain. It's a soft tissue injury with a quick recovery timeline. Five weeks. Let's call it five weeks. Two weeks of that is still preseason. Uh, well, he. Okay, I'm not even gonna put that out there. Um, <laughs> we have our old doctors out of the building. We don't even have to worry about it. We got a new doctor, so I'm not even gonna bring up that bad juju. I'm sorry I even thought of it. How do I get bad thoughts out of hey, my head? Let's hey, just go to the next. Hey, what's the name of our, our training camp complex? Uh, Jack Hogue. Hogue. Oh. Right? We, we're a doctor organization now, okay? <laughs> That's let's, true. We got a team let's of take them. Some, let's take some – let's just hope for the best, man. I'm I'm keeping well, Ogbomb Miga. Okay. Over Cole Christensen because that's, that's who he's fighting against, right? That's he's my been thing. more impressive. Yeah, I, I think if and you're gonna take they a are worried I'm about it, you, you're really settling with Cole Christensen. He's the default player. He's the generic player. Yeah, he he's is. He's nowhere close to Amin's physical and abilities. For the upside of what you get for Ogbong Bamiga, he's, he's who I'm rolling with. He's the guy. Yeah, I like him. So. Well, I hope he's healthy enough. I, I would like to see him play. I was really bummed when I saw him go down because I thought that I thought it was going to be a little more severe than it was. These guys, their recovery, I'm just always so impressed. You see a guy go down with an ACL or MCL, and he's back like three months before normal people would 
be able to return to natural activities. All right, so let's move on to our cornerback room. So I've got Michael Davis, Chris Harris Jr., Asante Samuel. After that, it gets really kind of messy who you're going to bring in, right? I got Tevin Campbell, I think, as a true outside corner. It just makes too much sense. He's been super impressive. I've got Brandon Faxon. Mm -hmm. I know he's missed a lot of camp. It's all been kind of out of his hands. And based off of what I saw last season, based off of what I know about him, I think it makes a lot of sense to, to keep him in that rotation. And then I hate doing this because I hate doing this, but I'm keeping Ryan Smith. I think we signed him for a reason. I know he's got this core injury. There's a reason we brought him in. And as the gunner, I know we've been struggling at that position during since his absence. We haven't been able to, to cover punts very well. There's a reason we brought him in. I don't see our, our fifth and sixth uh, cornerbacks playing a whole lot of actual time. Mm. I think you can stick Tevin Campbell. I know Josh Palmer's been playing outside, but ultimately Ryan Smith was signed for a reason. And I loved what I've seen out of John Braddon and Keeman Hall, but I, I just don't see the, a spot for them on this roster because I, I, it's kind of a tight room and it's yeah. a, it's a good room. And it sucks because I, I really think John Braddon has played extremely well, but Vaxxon mm-hmm. and Smith, it's been kind of out of their control. And yeah. I think that they offer more ultimately. So I, I was carrying five corners. I think I'm with you with Faison. I think from what we've seen, I think he's the fourth best corner after the top guys, Michael Davis, Chris Harris, Asante Samuel, when healthy and when he's present. I think it's similar to the Justin Jackson scenario. He's going to be on this team until someone outperforms him. I I, I, I think he makes this team better, and I, I want him to get his family issues sorted out because I, I think he has room to improve. I want him at practice so he can work on those things. Behind him, I really think it's up between Keeman Hall, John Brandon, and Tavon Hall for that last cornerback. Tavon Campbell. Or Tavon Campbell. And to me, I really think you can make an argument for all three. If I had to pick, my favorite personally is Keeman Hall. I, I just love his versatility. I think he offers more than the others. Brandon, though, obviously very productive from the interception standpoint. Flashy plays, like I said, they get noticed. Campbell's speed is just unrivaled. Like you said, I think he makes the most sense as an outside corner. Those are the guys I want. Those are guys I'm leaning towards. But I'm all okay with any combination of those last three in place of Faison in, in case he can't get it together for whatever reason. I want Faison to figure it out. I think we're better with him. But th- those are kind of I, – I have those top four guys in Keeman Hall as my fifth corner. I don't think we carry six. I, I, I think we can get another Ryan Smith. I think he's older. We have a lot of young – athletic guys that I would like to see get shots at, at Gunner. Just a sixth DB to specifically play Gunner, I, I think is, in my opinion, a waste of a roster spot. It's it's hard because Rand Smith hasn't been here the entire training what? camp at all. No, he hasn't got a shot. Uh, and it's, it's and not going right. to be... You can, you can replace Ryan Smith. It's not like 
So where I went with this, right, is I said, okay, Tevin Campbell is your only true outside corner. Mm-hmm. Brandon Faxon can play in the slot, and Ryan Smith can play in the slot with Chris Harris. So you've got you've got three guys to play in the slot, and you're going to have slot guys on both sides. But Tevin Campbell is the only true outside corner that you have with that speed to, be, to go with guys deep down the field, and he has been super tight in coverage the entire time. I know he gave up one touchdown – but those crossers are really hard to cover, dude. That's it's not like well, he's getting beat deep down the field. And I, I was just he's got beat the most out of those three, but he's also been tested the most. So I, I think that kind of comes with the territory. If you're guarding, if you're getting more targets, you're naturally gonna give up more plays, right? Yeah. So I th- think he was he's been targeted the most. And and I agree with you. I think for the most part, what I've seen, it, it's been positive. Yeah, and it's not like he's getting beat like oh he's not getting really bur- bad. he's not I getting know, Trey Pipkins beat no he's not he's giving up receptions and then typically he's right there to wrap it up and he's and you're not gonna, far you're away man coverage you're playing yeah. man coverage you're going to get beat it's it's a lot harder to stay stick with your man in man than it is with in zone where you can kind of just sit in your zone and well, and it's one of those things it's a matter of time thing if you're playing a lot of one-on-one coverage it's just a matter of time before an NFL receiver gets a, a rep on you it's- exactly. I like what I've seen out of Campbell. You know, now that I'm looking at it, though, Ryan Smith, like, you haven't played at all. He hasn't played. I, you know, best availability, you know, what is what did they say? I, I can't even do... <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think. The be- Something along the lines that you, your biggest strength is availability. Just being there. So... He's, and he hasn't been there. So, you know, I'm going to retract that. I'm, I'm going to remove Ryan Smith. I am going to replace him. And I'm going to replace him with, with Keeman Hall. Like you said, yeah. I, I like Keeman Hall's versatility. Uh, I like his awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I ultimately think you're going to replace Ryan Smith with a slot type of corner. Uh, I, I think you have what you need to play outside. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm I'm going to replace Ryan Smith with Keeman Hall, I, and he has played in in that safety role a mm-hmm. little bit. He's been playing a lot in the slot, so that's that's the one change I'm going to make. Let's move All on right. to safety. Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, those are locks. Loie Gilman has had a hell of a camp. Yes, uh, he he's quietly been having a really good camp. He's always involved in the passing game. It seems like, and then Mike Webb has. Had a little bit of an injury issue, but he's far and away has been the the number four defensive back in that mm-hmm. room. Uh, I originally had Ben DeLuca, uh, but I haven't seen enough from him. I think he's a guy that you could potentially stash on the practice squad. I don't personally have him on my practice squad, but I think those four are easily your, your top four safeties, and I don't think it's particularly close. No, I think... Yeah, I think all four are going to play a lot. Just be- they are. Just, yeah, because of the scheme we were running through what we've seen in camp, all four of those guys are going to get some significant minutes, and I'm excited for all four. So let's move on to the practice squad then. So who are your 10 practice squad guys? We talked a lot about a lot of different versions of it, but who, who are your guys? Let's see. I have stick. I know he doesn't count to towards it, but I, I see him. I see him. I see us keeping him. Well, I he think, does count towards your practice squad spot. He does. 
He does not count against your game day roster. You can have a third quarterback who doesn't count against your game day roster, but if you're putting him on the practice squad, he counts. But I don't even, let's see, four, five. I'll uh, I'll tell you my practice squad guys. So I've got Easton Stick, because I I think that you need that third quarterback, especially because I think there's value in having an athletic quarterback to your practice squad to your scout team because you need somebody to mimic those guys who are going to get outside the pocket. Mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of value in that. And I don't see Chase Daniel providing that in practice. I've got Joe Reed because I, I think yeah. there's something there to develop. And we knew he was a project from the get go. We've always known he hasn't been the best uh, route runner, but I, I don't see us spending a fifth round pick on a guy and cutting bait with him the next year. It just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Well, I've got Gabe Neighbors. Joe Reed would be on this team any other year. Like we, he just got a bad card with a, just a very talented receiving room. And you know he's got strong hands. He does. He's a he can catch the ball. I haven't seen very or heard of very many drop passes by this guy. It's his ability mm-hmm. to get open. I want to see him returning punts next year. I want that to yes. be a point of emphasis for him because I think that's his route to this roster next season. I've got Gabe Neighbors. I think if anything goes down with Steven Anderson and he gets hurt or anything of that nature, he's an easy fill-in for that spot. I know he's friends with Justin Herbert. Uh, I think he is an athletic fullback. He's that utility back. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I did put Trey Pipkins on there because I don't want to cut bait with a third-round pick so soon. Yeah, call it what it is. I, I don't want to admit to my my losses that quickly. Well, you sound I, like Tom Telesco. It, it's true though. It's true. <laughs> I don't want to cut bait that quickly. I want to develop him. I want to be sure before I let him go, because if he leaves and goes to a team like Pittsburgh that needs offensive line help and he does well, I'm going to be so pissed. Yeah. I put Forrest Merrill on my practice squad because yes. I think there's a lot of value there. I think he's a guy that's kind of quiet under the radar. I added Joe Gaziano. Uh, that's kind of a surprise to me. I did see enough there worth developing. I did like his college tape a lot. Uh, and I think you just can't have too many pass rushers ever. Mm-hmm. I did put Jesse Lemonier on my practice squad. I know we talked about him a little bit earlier. You think he's going to make the final roster. I don't think he is. And I don't think he's shown enough to get picked up off the practice squad. Uh, I think we need a linebacker help. We've only carrying five on the 53-man roster, so Cole Christensen is going to make the 53, especially me knowing that Ogbong Bamiga is going to be missing a few weeks. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were just going to say me knowing that Ogbong Bamiga is going to make this roster. <laughs> he is going to make this roster, but you know, after the 53-man roster has gone away and we've you know picked up who we're going to pick up, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to keep Cole Christensen. You need another linebacker if you're only carrying five on your 53. Uh, I did have Keeman Hall on my practice squad. Uh, the funny thing about that is I'm having him make my roster. So I'm going to move John Brannon into yeah. that role. I think that just makes a lot of sense there as well. And then the last person is Ben DeLuca. I've only got four safeties. Uh, yeah. I think that Ben DeLuca has made not splash plays, but he's been around the ball an awful lot. And it seems like, He's just a 
very raw developmental guy who's had a ton of success in college. And I want to see if there's something there worth developing. Yeah. So those are my guys. Darius Bradwell is gone. Uh, we're cutting bait with a lot of wide receivers. Yes. Uh, and I, I didn't keep very many of them because I'm keeping six on my opening 53 man roster and Joe Reed. That's seven. I think I've got enough there. Uh, there isn't enough of the offensive line that I was impressed with worth developing. Now, the last thing I want to talk about before I let you talk about the practice squad is I'm taking a hard look at the rosters around the league, and I'm looking to bring in an offensive tackle yes. to replace Trey Pipkins and hopefully Storm Norton. I know Rick Wagner is out there. Uh, I know he's probably looking for a starting spot somewhere else, but there's value in you know good backup offensive linemen, especially at that position, knowing Brian Bulaga's injury history. So that is a point of emphasis that I'm automatically putting into my uh, analysis is that we need a reliable swing tackle and we do not have one. So, yeah, um, we hit nine. I have all your same picks minus the two guys that we have different. Um, we had, where are our differences? I do the two differences as I have I think I have I have St I have St. Louis demoted to the practice squad just because I I do think we're going to carry both of those crappy tackles and <laughs> because we are carrying both of the crappy tackles I have Brian Hunter um the undrafted tackle also making the practice squad just as an insurance policy but I'm with you we need to get a third tackle on this team, not named Storm Norton, not named Trey Pipkins. Those guys aren't cutting it. No. Um, everyone else that you mentioned, we need to keep around. I, I don't think they're quite yet ready to play. I think that's why they're practice squad guys. But everyone so you else, got Joe Gaziano. I have got Gaziano. I have Gaziano because because I think he's right there with Lemonier. I just think I've I've seen more plays from Lemonier. Obviously the penalties are, are concerning. Not, they're concerning. But they're they are the pass interference, that's just I mean, I, I don't know. I'm gonna live with the penalties because they're not That's gonna be know. a point of emphasis before week one is bringing those penalties down because that was like a record setting amount. It's a oh lot. Oh my gosh. But to me, like that's a mental thing. That can be coached up he's showing the intangibles of, of getting off of the line, good explosive explosion, uh, explosive step off the line. Th- those are the things I like to see from those young guys. I really, yeah, I like the Joe Gaziano, Lemonier. They just both make too many plays for me to want to cut ties completely. I, I and it's hard. It, and you it, know what I just noticed is I'm carrying so many interior defensive linemen between my 53 man roster and my practice squad. It's unbelievable. Joe Gaziano, Forrest Merrill, Brady Fajoko, Cortez Broughton, Justin Jones, Jerry Tiller, Christian Covington, Linval Joseph. They're not all <laughs> going to make it. There's no way that they're all going to make it. I'd no. be very impressed if all of them make it between the 53 and the practice squad. That is a ton of interior guys. But And I'm the same way. I think it's all – I kind of have 
my whole thing is like, well, I, I can't have, I'm all fandom when I was doing this. I was like, I can't right. have this guy leave. And so I think, you know, we're going to obviously the coaching staff, I would hope would take a more business-like approach to it. But for me, there's just a lot of guys that like Fahoko. Honestly, he probably doesn't make this team, but I, I like him too much to keep him off of my, to not have him on my 53. I do too. And you know, I don't know. It'd be hard to be a coach or a a GM and trying to make these decisions. That's why they get paid the big bucks. This is going to be, we're going to be sad. um, Come roster cut day. We're going to be losing, cutting ties with some good football players. Well, we'll find out here in a little less than a week, uh, Tuesday, 4 PM. We'll be getting a a big, Big yeah. change in our roster from 90, good news. 80 we'll down to 53. So throw it in there. Chris Rumpf was seen today at 11 on 11s in practice. So he seems completely good, ready to go, despite being seen walking around in that boot. Injuries might play a pretty key role, too. So we'll have to take that into monitor, especially we got one more preseason game. A long week. This is going to be a long four or five days. But I feel like they already know who's going to make the roster at this point. I I think a lot of the players that you're going to be seeing, it's going to be a tryout for other teams. So you're going to see a lot of a lot of players that are going to be starting three quarters of the game that aren't going to be making the roster. I would be very surprised if we saw um, – starters any starters i would be surprised if we're seeing kenneth murray or kaiser white out there i'd be surprised if we're seeing you know even like donald parham rayshon slater probably shouldn't play i i would be very surprised depending on you know i I think it's pretty crazy though that last week we predicted the kaiser white jump on this the as he started he's he hurdled drew tranquil on the depth chart he did like just like we. Right I know Brandon you. Staley said on the last press conference that they're both starters, so he views them as both starters. They'll play fifty-fifty, and yeah. Kenneth Murray is going to be your guy playing every down. So it'll be fun to watch. I think that our linebacking group is fairly strong overall, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see us get into it. You want to talk about our uh, our new partner? Oh yeah, so. We here at Shock Therapy have partnered with Play Action Pools. They are the newest office sports pool hosting platform, and they host a bunch of games. Obviously, the NFL and college football season are just kicking off, so most of their games are centered around that, but they are also going to be doing some NCAA basketball once March Madness comes around, and I think they're also trying to move into the PGA and some other leagues once they start expanding, but... They just launched their new website. It's awesome, sweet platform. So yeah, go check them out at playactionpools.com. We are actually running our own shock therapy specific tournament. It's going to be a straight up season long pick em tournament. And whoever has the most correct picks at the end of the season is going to be named the inaugural shock therapy NFL pick em tournament champion. It was brought to us as, you know, just a fun way to interact with our fans and our listeners and that's exactly what we want so if anybody's interested in having some fun this nfl season and wants to test their football knowledge against mine and tyler's please come check us out go go to twitter you can find us at lac shock therapy we have a post with the play action pools click on it set up a profile and 
then DM me either at Zach Alfers or DM Tyler at the Master Bolt. Once your profile's set up, and we'll get you added to the Shock Therapy tournament. Let's have a bunch of fun this season. It's going to be a fun year, and this Pick'em tournament's just going to be another fun way, like I said, to interact. But then also, we're going to be giving weekly updates on the podcast. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. You don't want to miss out. Come check us out. Find our Twitter page. Go on to LAC Shock Therapy. You'll find our Pick'em. I'll pin it to to our our Twitter page. We need to get off because we're struggling to continue talking. <laughs> I think late. it's time to get off. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.